Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be Proverbs 1 and 15 says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Well, gosh, this looks like if my friends are ungodly, I'm supposed to just get away from them. Yes, that's what it says. The passage says get away from them. It does not say stop loving them. That's what it does not say. Get away from them. Don't hang out with them. Don't walk in the way with them. That means when they go do stuff, hey, come on, hang out with us. Go do what we're doing. Don't do it. Come on, let's go do drugs and let's have a good party. And all. Don't go for that. You see, but they're my friends. Stay away from them. The Bible says, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. They're in a hurry to go out and do bad things. Stay away. If you're trying to follow Jesus, but all of your friends won't, you're trying to follow Jesus the best you can, and your friends just won't do it, then walk by yourself. I'm going to say that again. It's hard to hear. If you're all your friends will not follow the Lord, then you may have to walk by yourself. Now, it's better to walk by yourself with Jesus than to go along with everyone else and not walk with Jesus. But friends, I want you to understand this is what the body of Christ is for. There's no reason why at all why you should have to walk alone to follow Jesus. But all my friends won't do it. Then you go join the body of Christ somewhere. Get in a good Bible-believing, faithful, Bible-teaching church and hang out with those people. They're going to be good people to hang around. Well, I want my friends to hang out with me. Well, maybe you can get some of your friends to go to the church with you. I mean, that is an option, is it not? You need to get around good people. But I want you to understand what it was like for David to tell Abishai, no, no, Abishai, I'm not going to do that. Who can hurt the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? It's sometimes very hard to tell your friends, no, hey, come on, let's go do that. No. Oh, but man, for old time's sake, dude, it's not gonna not gonna hurt. No, it's not right. Oh, are you a goody two shoes now? So godly are you? You know what? You're gonna hear that talk. You gotta tell them no. The answer is no. Abishai wanted to stick Saul with a spear, but David said no. It doesn't mean that David did not love him. We got to make sure we catch that point. We have to make a decision who our friends are who we're going to listen to. And once you make that decision that I am going to listen to the Lord, once you get on that side of the fence, then stay there. Don't go back and forth. One weekend, I'm going to hang out with my buddies. Saturday night, I'm going to go party and get drunk. And Sunday, I'm going to be hungover trying to listen to the pastor. Don't do that. Pick a side, get on it, stay there, have integrity. So John 4 and 4 says, do you not know? That friendship with the world is enmity with God. 
Enmity means hostility. And the reason the verse says, do you not know, is because there's a lot of people that don't. It's like, hey, don't you know this? Being friends with everybody trying to do what the world does is going to get you in big trouble because that's shaking your fist at God. Friends, this is why you need, beyond my ability to convey to you with mere words, this is why you need to join the body of Christ. I'm not just trying to get you to come to my church because I realize a lot of people are hearing my voice in other countries, other parts of the United States, all over. And you're never going to come to my church because you've never been to Texas. That's okay. But you need to go somewhere, somewhere. Bless another pastor. Bless another church. I'll be blessed if you go to somebody else's church, even if you don't come to mine, because I know that you need to be in the body of Christ. You need to get around people that walk in the right way, because the Bible says don't walk the same way that the ungodly do. It's cut and dried simple. Do you not know? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You need to get plugged into an assembly of believers. Now, this is not the the old, I've heard it a dozen, million, thousand, hundred billion times. This is not that whole thing. Well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. I've heard that, and people usually give it with that sour attitude like I just did. You don't have to go to church to be saved. This is not about that. Being saved doesn't have to happen in a church. As a matter of fact, most salvation experiences do not happen in a church. They happen every anywhere else besides a church. Some of them do. Most of them don't. This assembly with the believers is about your survival and your safety through hard times. And it's also about not being dragged into big trouble by listening to the wrong people. A lot of you, you're wondering when your life is going to straighten up. Oh, why is it so bad? I'll tell you why it's bad. You're listening to the wrong people. You're hanging out with people you ought not to be hanging out with, but they're my friends. I know it. I know. I I, Understand me. You need friends that follow Jesus. Okay? Pretty simple. You need friends that follow Jesus, but I don't have any. Then you be the first. You be the one that facilitates it and starts it. Be the first one to receive Jesus as Lord, get in a good church that studies the Bible, and get your friends in and turn your culture around, turn your community, save your friends, get them in with you. I want you to be able to show your friends who the best friend is that they will ever have, Jesus Christ who died for their sins so that they could be saved. That is a friend, my friends. So anyway. I know everybody that's ever read this book throughout human history has wondered how many times is Saul going to repeat this mess over and over and over again, and how many times is David going to put up with it over and over and over again? Well, some people think David should just do something about Saul. I wouldn't have put up with that, you know, two or three times, and now you messed with me. Now you're going to pay. You know, fool me once, you know, that saying. Well, friends, if you go with the attitude that if I if you don't put people in their place, you'll just be walked on like a doormat for the rest of your life. No, you won't. I want you to remember who walked over who when David and Abishai and his friends entered into the king's camp. Who walked over who? They were stepping over sleeping men disabled by God. That is what you need to remember. You know, you're not going to be walked on or stepped over or nothing. You're going to do the other way. God will make even your enemies be at peace with you. So when you think about it, when you think about why doesn't David put Saul in his place, I 
see in the scripture that David put Saul in his place twice, once with the robe, cutting off the piece of the robe, and again now with the jug and the spear. Who's stepping over who? Who's walking over who? And who's putting who in whose place? David's got the upper hand every time. So don't look at God as being a wuss or being some kind of wimp. Oh, everybody's going to walk all over me. No, you walk in the faithful power of God and do what God says and let him deal with the rest, okay? David never took vengeance. That's what this all boils down to. People are wanting vengeance because movies and TV, they always train us, oh, when somebody messes with you, you take your vengeance and put them out of the way, you know? No. Romans 12 and 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? Don't take vengeance. That's God's work. I didn't write this. Don't write me emails and say, well, who are you? Blah, blah. It's in the text. Look up your in your Bible. There it is. And But this is why David said back in chapter 24, he said, therefore, let the Lord be judged between you and me. And then here in chapter 26, he said, let the Lord deliver me out of all tribulation. Basically, what David said here is, I'm just going to turn it over to the Lord. I'm just going to turn it over to God. Friend, can we learn to do that? You get all these problems and people are at you and you bow up and you feel like, oh, I got to take care of it and you hit me, I'm going to hit you back and you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you back 10 times over and all that. Guys, just turn it over to the Lord because if you don't, you're you're walking along with ungodly people and it's not going to be them in trouble, it's going to be you. Don't do that. Let God deal with it. Turn it over to the Lord. David turned a repeat, repetitive again and again, troublemaker, over to the Lord. I know you're thinking, oh, but once they do it, they're always going to do it. That's why you turn them over to the Lord. You're not able to stop them. God is. Romans 12 and 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You don't have to throw punches. If they're not throwing punches, you do not. It's kind of the you do not throw the first punch rule. Well, if they throw the first one, I'm sure going to finish it. No, 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 you're not. That that one goes out the window too. If they throw the first one, you let God deal with it. Well, sometimes I have to, uh, you know, if you're still pushing, <laughs> and I know some of you are, some of you are just die hard. I'm going to deal with it because you've got that mojo flowing. I want you to understand that Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, sometimes it's not. If it is possible, and you better milk out, you better squeeze out every last drop of if it is possible. When you confront somebody or they confront you and they're just taunting you and they're ready to go after, even if they do hit you, can you still not walk away? If it is possible, come on, guys, listen to me. If it's possible, if you've got to bite your tongue, if it's possible. As much as depends on you, you live at peace with all people. I'm telling you, God's word is telling you, it is a better way to live. It really is. David had to deal with Saul through long suffering. That's what this is. And God's trying to teach us long suffering. Now, you remember the difference in patience and long suffering that I showed you. I used that donut story or the losing weight story. Well, David had incident after incident with Saul conflict after conflict, and that goes beyond just patience. David's patience was being tested with long suffering. David was hungry. 
He was driven away from his home. His wife had been given away to somebody else. How many of you guys could have maintained your composure if somebody gave your wife to somebody else against your will? He had everybody around him trying to tell him to do the wrong thing, and he had to tell them no. Trust me, David is experiencing long suffering. And so, David, he's being pounded from all sides to just snap, take Saul out. But David would not compromise. He would not do it. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, I think God's trying to show us something here in chapter 26, isn't he? Do you see it? God is trying to show us his character, what he's like, how he views you and me. We are in Saul's place. We are the repeat offender. You got to remember, friends, we're the sinner here, not God. We're the ones that messed up, not God. So we're in Saul's place as the repeat offender. And we often get cranked up and riled up by the wrong people because we listen to them and we shouldn't. And so now put God in David's place. David has long suffered. He has given chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity, time and time again. God has given us the same opportunities time and time again, chance after chance, so that we would finally come to repentance. I know you're wondering, Saul, when are you gonna get it? Okay, ask yourself that. Ask yourself, self, when are you gonna get it? When are you gonna get it that Jesus died on the cross for you? When are you gonna get it that now that you've been saved by Jesus, you need to start living righteously? When are you gonna get it that you produce fruits by keeping with repentance, even though there's other people that just push you and try to encourage you to do what's wrong? When are you gonna get it? When am I gonna get it? You need to ask yourself that question. Do you ever wonder why wicked people get away with so much stuff? You ever wonder why you have gotten away with so much stuff? You think maybe it's because the Lord God is not wanting anyone to be condemned, but he wants everyone, including that hard-boiled jerk that just gets under your skin, that just drives you crazy at work or wherever. Yes, even that guy, God wants to save him. You ever wonder why you get away with so much? Because God is is going through long-suffering with us. He is long-suffering towards us so that we will repent and be saved. I'm a repeat offender. I really was a long time ago. You wouldn't have liked me at all. (laughs) But I want you to know that what I should have had coming to me, I should have got. When you think, well, when is Saul going to get what he has coming? When is David finally going to do something about it? I don't know. When is God finally going to do something about you? When is God finally going to send you to hell and condemnation for the sins that you've committed against you? When is God going to do that? He should have done that a long time ago. No, God's being long-suffering because he wants you to be saved. Jesus saved me, and I should have gotten what I had coming to me a long time ago. I should have been condemned for my sin, but he saved me. Numbers 14 and 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity, and transgression. Friends, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not 
reading it. That's good. That means you can be saved. That means you can experience life even though you know you've messed up, and I know I have too. Long-suffering is why David did not destroy Saul, and long-suffering is why God did not destroy the Israelites. You remember all the, the history of them turning on God and constantly doing the wrong thing over and over and over again? Long-suffering is the reason why God did not destroy them, and long-suffering is why God has not destroyed you or me. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll probably be saved. Uh Uh-oh, look at that. Look at the verse. You read with me. Don't just listen here. Those of you who are looking on the video, read it. It says you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be. It doesn't say probably. It doesn't say your chances are pretty good. It doesn't say 50-50. It doesn't even say 99 to 1. It says you will be saved. Look at it. You will. If you do this, confess Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. That is a promise of God. Oh, no, I'm not really sure about that. Hey, 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 listen to me. Stop. Read it. Read it in the word. It says it. God wrote that. I did not. You will be saved. Friends, salvation is not only a gift. It's not just a gift. It's also a promise. And it's a promise bound by God. Nobody else binds that promise. You don't. No other people do. Thank God for that. God binds it. That's a promise of God. Once you surrender your life to Jesus, God will not be enticed to compromise or be manipulated on his promise. God will not compromise his holy righteousness to break that promise that he says you will be saved. Isn't that good? This does not permit a sin license. Oh, I'm saved no matter what. Let's go party. Well, chances are you probably didn't really receive the gift if you act like that. If you really did, you're going to want to obey the Lord. It's going to give you rather a healthy understanding of God's long suffering that he has had towards us. I have a lot of people get severely infuriated when I talk about salvation being a promise that you will be saved. They get all mad. I mean, it says in the Bible many times, many ways. They think that I'm saying, hey, get saved, go party, get drunk, whatever you want to do. Who cares? That's not what I'm saying at all, at all. No way. Shall we sin so that grace may abound? No, Paul said. You need to have a healthy understanding, a healthy fear of the Lord for that matter, but a healthy understanding that God has had long suffering towards us. And what that will do, it will cause us to thankfully honor him and to obey him and have a sense of tribute, just like we had in the last chapter. Protection brings tribute. It'll make you have a sense of thankfulness for what God has done for us. Because once you get saved for real, for really real, then the Holy Spirit of God will come and dwell you, and he will bring along with him the same character traits that God has. Here's how you get some of those character traits. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Look at there. Long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These days, everybody's losing their self-control. They just go crazy. They're seeing it on TV, a bunch of women and people and guys all put together in a circumstance designed to make them pressure up, and they blow out all over each other. And so everybody's doing it too. Oh, just go crazy. Uh. No, don't do that. You're, saved people are supposed to have self-control. That means you bite your tongue if you have to. You maintain your composure, self-control. And through that self-control, you have long-suffering. 
oh, but Ray, you don't know what that guy's like. That just bothers me. You don't know how that person is. Well, then maybe you don't know what it was like for Jesus to go through dying on the cross. We need to really consider what the Lord has done for us and that he will put his character traits into you through his Holy Spirit to do the same things, to have the kindness and goodness. Just because you're not doing what your friends do and you have to tell them no doesn't mean you hate them. Through the Spirit, you still have kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness with them, self-control with them. It doesn't mean you be mean and hate them because you don't agree with what they do anymore, even though you had to say no. David exhibited all these traits for us here in the story today, all these traits for Saul's benefit, and so should we for other people, because Jesus did this for us. He maintained his composure. He could have gotten mad at our sin and just knocked us all out and sent us straight to hell. And there's some people who are going to shake their fist at God to the day they die, and that's where they're going. That said, God doesn't want you to go there. We already read he's long-suffering because he's wanting you to come around. Friend, are you going to do that? Are you going to come around? Can you take the people who have been pressuring you up and forgive them and be good with them and to have long-suffering with them? Probably the very reason they're pushing your buttons is so you can get an understanding of what it was like for God when we pushed his? You ever consider that? I want you to understand that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Are you going to give your life to the Lord today? I pray you you will, because he offers you a lot. He saved us. He went to the cross. We sinned against him more than once for a very long time. We accumulated wrath up for ourselves. We angered him, and he still did it anyway. Matter of fact, Jesus said, while the nails were being driven in, while they were crucifying him, you look it up, says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He didn't say that before the crucifixion or after. He said it during. That means while we were still being a repeat offender, while we were still antagonizing him and hurting him and sinning willfully and liking it, spitting in his face, oh, the Romans did that. No, we all did it. We all had enmity with God because we wanted to be friends with the world. He still died for us anyway. He still died. You get saved, and you can start showing Jesus to others by treating them the way God treated you, by having long-suffering with them, kindness with them. But you do have to say no, because God looked at us, and he told our sin, no, no, sir, you're not bringing that in my house. But he sent his son Jesus to die in our place because he loved us. That's how the gospel works. Pray with me. Father, I have sinned. I have really blown it big time. I have done so much damage, I don't even comprehend it. But thank you that your payment of my sin is far exceeding what I could ever understand to. It paid for it, and that for the whole world. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you, Lord God. Now teach me to do the same, to align to your word. And I do believe that you have been raised from the dead. I now confess you, Lord, which means you are the boss, which means what you say goes, and I will obey. Forgive me of my sins, and thank you for the gift of eternal life. I want to be saved, and I want to be with you, my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may lose friends over this, but you know what? Make them friends for Jesus and get them in the body of Christ. Start turning your life around. You'll love it. It's great. I advise it to everybody, not just because I'm a pastor, but because it's a good way to live. Don't you want that? We'll see you next time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.